early on this year, in the beginning of the year, because again, I just start praying about these things way in advance, and uh, and talking about talking with Pastor Gary and Pastor Daniel about uh, a summer series, whether to have one or not to have one. Because again, I, I pray this through every year because I just feel like, Lord, if I just don't want to do a summer series just because that's what we've been doing. I don't want to do it just because. And so we we began to just kind of talk about it and and uh, and stuff like that. We started talking about it to see whether we would or not. And, uh, and if we did, what would it be on? And as we prayed, the topic of the Holy Spirit came up somehow. And so as we began to take that to prayer, it became obvious that that's what our summer series would be on, which, was be, which would be interesting because, again, this is back in January, February, that we're praying about all this stuff happening. And then um, it, just, it just so happened that in talking with Jerry Anderson... Um, our sister that runs the the women's ministry, um, all of a sudden, you know, she's telling me about what the retreat's going to kind of be about and what she has on her heart for a series with the ladies. And I'm going, well, I got to just tell you, man, that's just kind of falling right in line with what the Lord's kind of been doing as far as teaching us and kind of focusing on the person of the Holy Spirit and and stuff like that because here this is what we've been praying about she's going oh geez and I'm going whoa geez <clears throat> and so I just I guess it's just kind of with being confirmed in so many different areas of of the fact that we need to I guess focus on this and the topics again I don't know all of them that were uh covered at the women's retreat I don't know which all of them that were covered at the women's Thing on Monday nights, but the topics here is who is the Holy Spirit, which is my topic tonight, what we will be covering, the work of the Holy Spirit, um, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and responding to the Holy Spirit. And for some, some of you who have gone through this in the past few months, especially with the ladies, some of this will be review for you. Some of it will be brand new because, again, I teach different than Jerry does, and it might be the same topic, but we might just be hitting different areas because there's literally so much that we can cover, so much that we can talk about. But again, just kind of trying to pinpoint some of the things that were being laid on our hearts um, and, and who would be teaching what. And so um, I want to encourage you, though, that if you're going, well, okay, I've already gone through this whole series thing, um, to be open because, again, God really wants to speak to you as well. And for some who have never really heard these topics, um, I, I can guarantee you you have because we, when we go through the Word of God, we talk about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit constantly. But it's, it, it might not just be as focused as you might want it to be. Um, but but it's constantly being talked about. Um, and so now that we're kind of zeroing in on the the Holy Spirit, that, that now you would be more aware of what, what He is all about. And so let's pray and then we'll get started. Father in heaven, we do want to just lift up this time, not just tonight, but this whole series, Lord God, that you've laid on our hearts. God, I, I am just so in awe of how you've kind of worked a lot of this out together to where it just seemed in so many different areas of our lives and, and, and in the ministry here um, with different ministries that you have been zeroing in on the work of the Holy Spirit, Lord. 
And God, we just want to thank you for that, Lord, because we know how important it is for us to understand. It is so important for us, Lord God, to comprehend what this is all about to help us in our growth, in our maturity, in our walks with you, Lord, daily. And so, Father, I know that I can't totally do it justice, Lord, because there's so much. But I pray that the things that you have laid on my heart, Lord God, I would be able to convey with clarity, Lord. Again, understanding, Lord God, that it is, it is your, your Holy Spirit who does the work. And so I just want to be a part of it, Lord. I just want to be in line with that. And I pray that, that your Holy Spirit would just fall upon me and upon this place right now to, to just speak and to lead and to guide, Lord God. And Father, I, I do want to just be open to all of it. And so we just give you this time. I pray for my brothers and sisters. I know some are tired, some are weary. Um, I pray that you would give them vigor right now and, and just enthusiasm, Lord God, that you would just touch them, that they might be able, Lord God, to receive all that you have. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be giving you plenty of scripture. I won't be turning to all of them. I have them on my notes and stuff, so you can jot things down. Our main text will probably end up in John chapter 14, the gospel of John chapter 14, because that last part, and it will be a while before we get there, so don't get antsy on me there. Um, just wait on the Holy Spirit. Um, no. <laughs> and, um, and, and so... So we're going to get there eventually, but I have so many different portions of Scripture that, that again, I've just kind of put on my, on my notes. And if you can write them down and go back to them. The Bible does declare to us, and again, kind of just getting to the fundamentals, uh, declares to us in, in Deuteronomy 6, 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. We worship one God. We don't worship three gods. We worship one God. The word Lord in the Hebrew is Yahweh. Or, or, or Yehovah. Uh, I'm sorry. It's Yehovah. Or the way we pronounce it in English, Jehovah. But the word Lord here in the Hebrew is uh, Yehovah. And it's the, the Jewish name or the national name for God. And that word Jehovah that we pronounce it the way we pronounce it means the self-existent or eternal. That's who he is and that's who we serve and that's who we, 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 we give our lives to. And so now the, where it says here, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, the eternal, the one that has self-existed forever, our God, the Lord is one. And the word God here is, is the, the Hebrew word Elohim. And again, some of you guys may have heard these words. Maybe you haven't, but I'm going to give them to you anyways. Uh, so the, the Hebrew word for God is Elohim. And it is the first of the names of deity that we run across in the word of God. We have it here, but it's in the beginning where it says in, in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That same word, God, throughout in the Hebrew is Elohim. It is, it, is plural, it is a plural noun in form, but it is singular in meaning. When it is referred to, to, to the true God, 
And, and, and so it breaks down like this. The word El, E-L, in Elohim, the word El is singular. And, and that's where we sometimes have El Shaddai, El, uh, Elion. Um, the word El is singular. The, the word Elo, or Eli, Elio, Eli, um, is dual. And the word Elohim is two or more. And so now it's talking about a plurality of God. So when we read the word God, it looks singular, but it's really a plural word. And it's interesting because we see this plurality in Genesis 1.26 when it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now God was not having some kind of personality conflicts you know he didn't have different personalities that he's talking to himself in that way our god is one god and yet he is made up in three uh, of, of three persons which doctrinally it's it's called the trinity now again i know that there's different ways of trying to explain the trinity and it is virtually impossible to really give it the true definition because we can't comprehend how three personalities can be one and yet they are because we don't worship three different gods we worship one god in plural form and so again the three are one and again all the the different kinds of metaphors that we can give does not do it justice at all because of who he is so who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. He is in no way less than part of this Godhead. He is not in any way the last man on the totem pole. You know, and I think sometimes we look at that. We look at God the Father who sits on the throne. We, sit, we look at Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father who was used to come and incarnate to die for the sins of the world and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And so we get that. And so, sometimes we, we kind of leave, leave the Holy Spirit out, although we talk about Him constantly, but we really don't acknowledge Him as such. Um, but He is no less than God. He is all that God is. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to fight for equality. He is equal to all that God is. In character, in, in, in essence, and in nature, He is God. Every sense of the Word of God, He is that. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Father. And at the same time, He is the Spirit of Jesus Christ, His Son. Now, the first time that we actually read about the Spirit of God is in Genesis 2, 1 and 2, where it says, In the beginning God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the darkness, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So in this, we see that He is the one that does the work of God. As I'm trying to 
wrap my head around all of this. I'm, I'm picturing God the Father sitting on the throne, never leaving the throne, and yet He is at work constantly. Again, trying to picture where Jesus is at and what He has done throughout history in, 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 in leaving God, in leaving that place in heaven, coming to earth for a time, for 33 years, and, and dying and resurrecting and ascending up back to, to His heavenly Father. And as we've been studying through Revelation, He still has that form of the Lamb who has been slain uh, for the world. And so again, so I can picture that, but all of a sudden, we, we, we look at God the Holy Spirit and we're going, okay, He is the mobile one. He, he is actually the one that, that is active. He is, he is at work on earth. And he is at work in the heart of men. Yet he is, he is unseen. Nobody has ever seen the Holy Spirit. We, 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 we picture him as the wind, as it says in, in John chapter 3, that he is like the wind. You can't see him. We can't see the wind, but we see the effects of the wind. Up here we say, oh yeah, we see the wind. Well, we feel the wind, we see the wind because there's all kinds of dust. But that's not the wind, that's just the dust. We see the effects of what the wind does, but we can't truly look at it. We can see stuff flying through it, but we cannot see. And that is what the Holy Spirit is. He, 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 is, he is unseen. Nobody has ever seen the Spirit, but we have seen the effects of the Holy Spirit because He is Spirit. The interesting thing about the Holy Spirit is that He never points to Himself. He, he never... He never like puts the focus on him as the person he is always pointing to god the father and he is always pointing and leading people to god the son he he doesn't need to be acknowledged not not that god needs it <laughs> we should be acknowledging god god's not like i just I, this i have this insecurity i need to be acknowledge no god's not like that either but we acknowledge god and we acknowledge the son but the holy spirit doesn't need to be acknowledged although he is the one that man has the closest relationship with he he is the one that that we definitely have a personal relationship with because again when we start picturing god he is on the throne. When, when, when we look at Jesus, he, he is in heaven. And what we, as, as, as believers, what we deal with is His Spirit. And yet, He's going, I don't need to be acknowledged, though. Because I will point you right to Jesus, right to the Father. Now, it's not that we never acknowledge Him. We sing songs and we acknowledge the Holy Spirit. We pray and we ask Him for things. We ask the Holy Spirit. So, so it's not that we never, because we should and we could at any time, but He doesn't need to be acknowledged because He is always at work, regardless if we acknowledge Him or not. If we acknowledge the Father, well, the Holy Spirit's going to do the work. If we acknowledge and then if we come in the name of Jesus, well, it's the Holy Spirit that's doing the work. And so the Holy Spirit is so vital, guys, in our lives. 
that he is the one that is constantly at work on our behalf. And when man, when man prays or when man calls out to the Lord, it is only through the name of Jesus Christ that we can truly do that. But it is through the work of the Holy Spirit that makes it all possible. He is the very essence of God and we are closest to him than, than, than if we had to, you know, have this little conversation of, you know, is Jesus in my heart? Well, yeah, through the Spirit. Jesus does not sit in my heart. He sits in heaven. Does God the Father sit in my heart? No, he doesn't, but he sits in heaven. But his Spirit, the very Spirit of God, the very spirit of Jesus Christ rules and reigns in my heart, in my life. He is the one that makes it all possible. He is the one that brings us to the Lord in the first place. He is the one that's at work drawing people, bringing people. And Pastor Gary will talk more about that next week. He, he, he's doing the work of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm sure he'll touch on that in more detail. If not, I'm telling him he should right now. Um, so <laughs> he got the memo. Um, but I'm sure because he has that, that title that the work of the Holy Spirit, man, it is so vital. So because of the work that he does in bringing us to God, and, and he is the one that keeps us in Christ, the Holy Spirit is our guarantee. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is our guarantee. He, he's our assurance. He is our promise and He is our security. In other words, the Holy Spirit is good at being the Holy Spirit. Which means that we don't have to be the Holy Spirit. And I say that because oftentimes we want to play and do the work of the Holy Spirit. And, God, and, and He's perfectly capable of doing it. I think, I think oftentimes, and again, I think it's just because we want somebody to really know God or to, to really be in tune. And so we're doing all we possibly can to get them to that point. And oftentimes I have to encourage people. It's like, just let God do that work. He is good at doing that. We don't have to play the Holy Spirit. I often joke around with my wife sometimes because she's good at doing that. I said, honey, you're not the Holy Spirit. He's good at doing that. And she looks at me like, I know that. <laughs> but oftentimes we want to manipulate things to make sure that God is going to do it. And we don't have to do that. We are not the guarantee. He is the guarantee. It tells us that He is the guarantee. He is perfectly capable, capable of being that guarantee. He cares more about what you're thinking about and worried about than you are. He goes before you even before you, you, you have even thought of it. And, and, and I know that some of you who have battled that and then kind of step back and it's like, okay, Lord, just do the work, blah, blah, and all of a sudden things are happening and you're going, ah, I should have just stepped back a long time ago because the Holy Spirit is the one that does the work. Now, He does use people like us. Don't, don't get me wrong. 
And, and I'll touch on that a little bit later. But, but he uses people like us, but it's not because we have to manufacture it. We are the distributors of his work. We are not the manufacturers of his work. He is the one that does the work. And so when it tells us that he is our guarantee, when it says the Holy Spirit is our guarantee, he is the one that ensures, he is the one that promises, and he is the one that keeps secure so that we don't have to fret about why isn't people coming to church. Oh, they said they, you know, they accept the Lord, but I don't know if they really are. It's like, that's not your job. That is not your job. That is the Holy Spirit's job. He is the one that does the work. You're just open to being used of him. But when people, and I'll put it this way, when people are fighting back in a way uh, against you personally, then maybe it's time for you to step back and let the Holy Spirit do his work. And then you figure out, it's like, he's a lot better at it than I am. And so, the Holy Spirit is good and does good at being the Holy Spirit. And so we don't have to be the Holy Spirit in other people's lives. Uh, it's not up to us to be that guarantee. So the Holy Spirit is the guarantee and he is the seal. He, 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 he is the seal of God that, that has been placed upon us. In, in other words, he, he has finished the transaction. He has taken ownership of our lives. That is who He is. He takes full responsibility. When I throw out an altar call and somebody raises their hand and, and says, I, I accept the Lord. And I have had people say, yeah, but you don't know for sure if they did or not. And it's like, well, that's not my, my job. My job is to share the gospel or give people the opportunity. And, and if they raise it, then God is the one that takes ownership of that. I, I don't have to lose sleep, whether it's like, well, three people accept the Lord. Man, I hope all three of them did, you know, it was for sure. Because again, I don't know men's hearts in that sense. I just know that I've been called to extend the invitation. God is the one through his Holy Spirit that it says that he has become the seal. He is the one that finishes the transaction. He takes over from there. Now, I'm not saying that we cannot, um, what is it, follow up. And, and encourage. I'm not saying those things. I'm just saying that it, it's not up to me anymore. When, when, when a, a person does a, a crusade and there's thousands of them that accept the Lord, and again, there's people that say, you can't do that because you don't know which ones did it. It's like, why are you trying to play that Holy Spirit role when He is the one that takes care of that? It says in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, in Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. So if we can understand just who the Holy Spirit is, that He is God, the Holy Spirit, and not some kind of rogue part of God, that He is as invested in people's lives as God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, or God the Son, then we can understand that when somebody comes to Him, He takes care of that. He is all over it. 
He's already been preparing their hearts before you even invited them or, or ministered to them. I think oftentimes if we're in tune or if we're, if we're open to the Holy Spirit, He puts us in situations because He's already been at work long before in somebody's life. The people that you might be thinking of that, man, oh man, if they only came to the Lord, can, can I just guarantee you this? He's already at work in their hearts. Doesn't mean that we stop praying. Doesn't mean that we just like, oh, well, whatever. It's like, no, you just be open and praying. Lord, let me be the one or let somebody else be the one. But you take care of it. I don't have to worry and fret over who's going to be saved and who's not. We just live the life and share the gospel. And God does the rest. But I think oftentimes we get to a point that we don't understand the Holy Spirit because we do think that he is just some some part of God that just kind of makes people do crazy things. And I was talking to somebody earlier, and, and again, man, people have misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. And He's not this crazy, rogue part of God. He, he is so legit because He is God. He does not make people do things that are foolish. Man, I, but, but I will tell you, he will, he will do stuff in people's lives that is out of your comfort zone. But he does not make a fool of himself. He will never do that. He will never interrupt what God's already doing. He doesn't interrupt himself. And I think this is where people have the misconception about the Holy Spirit because they fear that he's going to make me get up in the middle of the service and say this crazy stuff. Something's going to come out of my mouth and I can't control it. It's like, no, that's not the Holy Spirit. He's not going to do that. He doesn't go rogue. He never does. Now, there are times and settings that, that he lays it on your heart to do things like that in the, in the right setting, but he will never interrupt. If some pastor is preaching the word and prophecy is coming out and all these other things that the, the gifts are being exercised, he doesn't say, you know what, I'm just going to interrupt this whole thing and I'm going to put the focus on that person. He doesn't do that. And so we can't, or we should not fear the Holy Spirit. It, it, it almost seems sometimes that we fear that, 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 that God can't even control the Holy Spirit. Because He's just out there. He's just crazy. <laughs> he just does some crazy stuff. No, the times that we talk about, oh man, that was crazy. It's probably because He took us out of our comfort zone and He put us in a situation that we just saw Him work that just blew our minds. And all of a sudden, it's like, that was crazy. What do you mean by crazy? It was just mind-blowing, man. It's not that he just like took me and was like, I can't help myself, look at me, blah, blah, blah. It's, not, it's none of that. And so that's what we should not fear. And, and I, I don't know what, what all went on at the ladies' retreat, you know, and I know some people are like apprehensive. It's like, oh, geez, what are they going to do? And, and it's like, why do we fear that? Why, why would we fear that? If it was in a setting that we're saying, Lord, come down right now through your Holy Spirit and work in people's lives, and all of a sudden people are getting touched, it's like, why do we fear that? What we do fear is that we're going to look like fools or that we're going to embarrass God. And I understand that because I don't want to do those things. But God does not go rogue, or the Holy Spirit does not go, go rogue. God is always in control in all aspects. And so the Holy Spirit is in control always. He is never not in control. 
So when you understand that the Holy Spirit is not this crazy entity that's part of who God is somehow, but that he just doesn't listen to the rest of the Godhead, when you understand that he is not that, then it makes it easier to submit to the Spirit and not be afraid. It it makes it easier to walk in the Spirit and not fear which direction he's going to take you. If you understand that he is all that he is in, in God, that, that, that God is, then, then you don't have to worry about him controlling your life in every aspect. You, you are able to, to release all that and say, okay, Lord, here I am. Send me. Do whatever you want to me, however you want to use me. Making yourself available to all of that. In other words, you, you are having more victories in Christ because you understand who He is than you're having defeats in your life. Because now you are submitting to the work of the Holy Spirit. Now now, now you're walking in the ways that the Holy Spirit would have you walk. And now you're being controlled by who He is. And it leads you to more victories in your life than defeats. I, I, I... I would have to say that people who are defeated constantly as Christians don't really have a grasp on the work or who the Holy Spirit truly is. Because if you did, then you would submit a lot easier to what he's asking of you when you're reading his word. <laughs> when, 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 when you are praying, when you are in fellowship with him and with his people, all of a sudden... The, the the victories are more constant. Oh, I, I'm not saying you will never have defeats. I'm just saying when you understand the person of the Holy Spirit and what He is willing to do and wanting to do in your life, then you can submit and walk and be controlled with Him a lot easier. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under or subject to the law. Submitting, walking and being controlled by God, the Holy Spirit, is not a natural thing to do. I'll tell you that right now. It's not what's natural. What is natural is letting your flesh take hold of you and rule and reign your life. That is what's natural. What is not natural is being led by the Holy Spirit. You fight against the, the, the flesh constantly so that you can be in the Spirit. And I've, I've explained it like this at times. The natural law that we have here on earth is gravity. The only thing that supersedes is gravity is, is aerodynamics. And it keeps you up. But the only way that you could stay up in, in, a, in an airplane is by thrust, is by moving forward, is by not being still. Because the moment you stop thrusting in an airplane, what happens? The natural law takes over gravity and you, you start dipping. It might take you for a little bit, but you're already going down. And that's what happens 
when, when, when we're looking at Galatians chapter 5 here, it says, as you're walking in the Spirit, if you continue to walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And this is where it gets dicey because our flesh is, is right there. And the moment we take our eyes off the Lord or the, the moment that we don't walk in the Spirit, our flesh naturally takes over. And it says that these two are warring with one another. Again, if you are being defeated on a regular basis, is because you're allowing your flesh to take more control of your life than the Spirit in your life. There's always that battle that goes on. So it is not natural trying to walk with the Lord. And that's why being born of the flesh, we want to do the things of the flesh. And that's why it is important, it is an imperative for us to be born again in the Spirit. Because John chapter 3, verses 3 to, to, to 7, it says, or through, to 8, it says, Jesus said, I answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And I always want to say, and Jesus answered, Don't be an idiot. Um, But he didn't say that. That's just me. And Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, Unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of, of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. And so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So when we become born again, it changes everything. You have now become a spiritual being which means that at one point you were dead in your trespasses and sins and did what was natural, but God has now made you alive in him through the Holy Spirit, which means that when you become born again, (laughs) the Holy Spirit comes into your life. As, As I read earlier that the that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, over the face of the waters. And and I mentioned that He is the one that does the work of God on earth and in the hearts of men. So, in saying that, we can surmise, infer, that He is with everything and everyone in the world. If He hovers over the face of the earth, then He is with everything and anything everything and everyone but he is not in everything or everyone it's two different things and for that we now go to john chapter 14 where i will try now to fit everything in so beginning in verse 13 i want to read from verse 13 to 26 to get a big picture and i'll touch on certain things in this portion it says in verse 13 of chapter 14 and whatever you ask in my name that i will do that the father may be glorified in the son if you ask anything in my name i will do it if you love 
me keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you a little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has he who ha- has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will love, will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us, but not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the words which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while, I, while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring all you, and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. It's interesting because Jesus, in the Amplified, it says, "If you really love me, you will keep obey my commands." After giving them the okay to ask whatever they wanted. In his name, Jesus said, but if you really love me, you will keep or obey what I say. In other words, if you truly are a follower of me, you will act and ask for the things that I would, that would be consistent to his nature, to who he is. So because of our love for Jesus and because his spirit now dwells in us, We are to act and ask for the things that Jesus would. And Jesus says, because of that, he, Jesus, will ask the Father. And he will give you another helper. I find it fascinating that when Jesus was on the earth, the the disciples, wherever they went and they were with Jesus, man, they just felt comfortable. They just felt like nothing can really hurt them. Because Jesus was there. And now Jesus is starting to speak to them about his departure. But he says, but I will pray to the Father. And we see the Trinity throughout this whole portion here. We see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit constantly at at work and talking to each other and, and, and feeding off of each other in that sense. And so he says, I will leave, but I will give you another helper. And that word another means another of the same kind. The Spirit of God is not different from the Son of God. He is the same. 
they have the same character, essence, and nature as God the Father, both of them. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Father, and He is the Spirit of the Son. Jesus has been with them for all this time. He, he was guiding them. He was guarding them. He was teaching them. But they had to be around Him for that. But every time... Um, but, but at this time, it, everything was about to change. Everything would become more intimate than ever before. So wherever each of them went... Jesus would be with them because Jesus would be in them. All because of this new relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the Amplified it says, if you ask any, if you ask, I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, and he will remain with you forever. So Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit in this sense that now this new relationship is going to be different than ever before. Because Jesus will not only be with them, he will be in them. And so he introduces the Holy Spirit and, and the Greek word for the Holy Spirit here for, for being a, a comforter or a helper is parakletos. It's, it's uh, pronounced in the Greek, which means one called alongside to help a helper, a comforter. So, so the Holy Spirit is the helper. He is the one that does the work. He is the one that, that's hands-on here with everyone. The Holy Spirit is able to be everywhere at the same time with the same power of God and with the same knowledge as God because He is the Spirit of God. He is God, the Holy Spirit. And so again, when we understand that He is not just with us, that now this new relationship means that He will be in us. So, so the Holy Spirit is with everyone in the world, and he, is with, and he is in everyone who believes. And that's important to understand because He is not in everyone. No, He's not. <laughs> he is the Spirit of truth. He can't be anything else but that. So he'll never lie to you. He will never steer you wrong. He will never fudge the truth. He is truth. He will always be truth. He cannot be anything else. And Jesus said earlier in this chapter, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. He would replace Jesus, if you will, here on earth. Jesus would be leaving and, and, and now the Holy Spirit would be pointing people to Jesus as Jesus had been pointing people to the Father. At the same time, He is the Spirit of God. It says that the world cannot see Him or receive Him or any of these things because it can't really identify with Him. And, and really quick, I, I, I wrote some stuff down here and I, I'd seen this a while back that, that it's much like radio waves. Radio waves go unnoticed, but they are there all the time. But in order to really receive the radio waves, you have to have a radio. But you can have a radio and not have it turned on. So it makes no sense. But you can turn in or turn on a radio, and then you start hearing some frequencies. 
But it's not until you tune in to the right place that you really begin to hear the Holy Spirit. The radio waves are there, just like the Holy Spirit is there. So the radio waves are with, but they're not in. So you have to kind of almost dial in. And so this is where, again, if we are tuned in to the Holy Spirit, then we can truly hear him for sure. And that's why the world can't receive him or see him nor know him. Um, Let me move on. It says, for those who have received Jesus, he gives the right to become or to have their very own counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standard by her or whatever. (laughs) Not standard by her, but you know what I'm saying. So he uses the word with and in. So Jesus is, or, or the Spirit is with everybody and he is in some, some people. The word with is para, which means near, besides, in or at, vicinity, proximity. And the word in, in the Greek is en, en. Um, and it means fixed position, in place, state, or time related to rest. So it rests on somebody. And the third word that is associated with the Holy Spirit is from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so the third word that has to do with the Holy Spirit is upon. And that word is epi. So you have, you have with, in, and upon. And so the, the, the meaning of epi is superimposition as a relation of distribution. And the synonyms for imposition are burden, nuisance, obligation, or annoyance. And annoyance, in other words, not at rest, but on the move. And that word epi can also be associated with the word epinephrine, which is... Um, uh, adrenaline, getting people excited. It can be used in that frame. And so we see that the Holy Spirit is the power of God. And, and if I could close with that portion here, because he is all these things and he is the power of God. He, he, he is the one that, that empowers us. When he comes upon us, he, he, he is able to now get us moving in, in what he wants us to do. But we have to come to that point. You see, he is with everybody. But if you're here and you're going, well, I've asked Jesus into my heart, then he has come into you and the Holy Spirit now dwells in you. But if you've never asked him to come upon you in the sense of get me moving, get me going, then, then, then you're always going to be in a, in a rest state, not in an epi state that you're going, I need that adrenaline, God. I need that power. And I've always associated with, with a, a pitcher and a glass of water, that if you, or a, wa- a glass, and the, the pitcher is full of glass. It's with the glass. But if, if you begin to pour in the context of the pitcher, then the context of that pitcher is now in the glass. And to come upon would mean that you would just continually pour. And now the context is not only in the glass, but it's coming out of the glass. 
And so that is the difference of, of all this in, in uh, John chapter 14 that he is with, but he wants to be in, but he also wants to come upon. And so when he comes upon, then you receive the power to go and do the work that he is wanting to do in people's lives. Now, all of this is by the unseen Holy Spirit that, that now lives in us and through us. And the only way that the Holy Spirit can really be seen is if people see it in us and through us. Because you can't see him, but he, you can see the effects of what he is doing in our lives. And, and in turn, we, 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 he, he, we, we could, people can see Jesus in us, but hopefully they end up glorifying the Father because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will not leave you comfortless or, or desolate or bereaved or helpless. I will come and live inside of you and do the work in you. It says in verse 23 that they would all come and make their home, their abode. They would reside in us. And so I want to encourage you that if you, if the Holy Spirit is with you, then he needs to be in you. And if you're here and most of you would say, well, I'm a Christian, bro. I, I, I've accepted the Lord. Then he is in you. But do you have the power of the Holy Spirit to now go do the work that he has been calling you to do? And this is where some of you ladies have experienced that in the last, in the last few months where, where you got you got prayed for or you received the power of the Holy Spirit and, and, and you can testify that things have been different. Things have, have changed in your life because now you're, you're not afraid of what the Holy Spirit is telling you. You're receiving it and you're going, okay, Lord, you can lead me and guide me wherever you go. As long as you're leading, I'm going to be there. And this is where, again, if you can just get to a place where it's like, okay, Lord, I'm free. I'm free for you. If you are God, if, if the Holy Spirit is God and He is all these things, then if He is the power of God, then why don't you want the power of God? Why wouldn't you receive the power of God? Some of you guys have received the power of God. You guys have allowed the Holy Spirit to come upon you, but for whatever reason, you've, you've just let it go dormant and you're going... I'm just kind of not, not into it like I used to be. And I can guarantee you, you've had more defeats than victories because of that. Because I can guarantee you, when you were allowing the Holy Spirit to come upon you on a regular basis, then God was doing mighty works in your life. And you weren't afraid. See, He is all that He said He is throughout His Word. The Holy Spirit is the one that is in you and he wants to come upon you. And so I want to pray right now. And, and again, the worship team can come up. But, but what I want, if you're here and you have received the Lord, then the Holy Spirit is in you. But if you're here and you're going, you know, I prayed one time for him to come upon me and it just didn't take. I could guarantee you it took. You were probably just afraid of what he was going to do. And, and, and for that, you have to submit to him. And let him do that work in you. Because you let your flesh hinder you from moving forward in that. 
And so I just want to pray for you. And, and if you're here, and I'm going to ask you to stand if you want us to pray for you. And I'll ask the brothers and sisters who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit to just come and lay their hands on you. And as we do that, we will just pray that the Holy Spirit would just come upon you. And so let's pray right now. And, 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 and I'll just direct you in just a little bit. Father in heaven, we want to bless you and thank you for being here among us, Lord. We do thank you, Lord God, that you love us so much that you sent your son to die on the cross, Lord. Father, in order for the Holy Spirit to come, something bad really had to happen, and that was Jesus having to die. But Lord, through, through the Spirit, you raised him to, from the dead, and he ascended on high. And Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, that you never left us orphans. You told us to wait. And, and those disciples waited, Lord. And you filled them with your Holy Spirit. And they were never the same after that, Lord. And so I thank you. I praise you for that. And I pray for my brothers and sisters right here, right now, Lord. Those who are here who have received you, Lord. Who, who, who understand who you are and they have been walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that, Father, you would encourage them to be bold and continue to be moved and, and, and just directed by your spirit, Lord. But I pray for my brothers and sisters. Lord, right now, Lord God, they, they understand what, what was shared today, that they've allowed you to come in, Lord, but they've never had you come upon them to overflowing, to where now they're being used in powerful ways because they're submitted to you. They're walking with you, Lord. And so I just pray that, Father, you would just encourage them. And if that's you, that you need prayer to receive the Holy Spirit, that you would just stand where you're at right there, right now. And, 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 and again, those people around you who have received the Holy Spirit will just lay their hands on you and then I'll just pray for you. So if that's you and you need the power of, of God in your life, just, just stand to your feet right where you're at. Yeah, you can stand up that's you hmm. okay Lord <laughs> then we just look to you and thank you Lord for who you are for your power Lord and I pray that God all my brothers and sisters here would just continue to be used in a powerful way in Jesus name Amen